Hey, this is the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. Please check out my stand-up dates at thecaseymcclain.com. Also, follow me on all social media at thecaseymcclain. Check out stand-up clips and videos of mine at youtube.com slash McLean. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is where I host this podcast. It's where the file sits. It's also a great place if you want to start a podcast where you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When you're hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to all the listening platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Whatever you're listening to this podcast on, you can get your podcast to that platform very easily. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello and welcome to the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. This is Casey McLean, and I am uh, recording this early in the morning. We're taking a shot at video. I'm working on a couple things. If you're watching this on video, it means that I put it out on video. I'm not sure exactly that I'm going to do that. Also, uh, it has been a couple, it has, well, I guess it has, I haven't done the two episodes a week. It's been very busy. I was in uh, Oklahoma City with Ben Bailey, which was very fun, by the way. Um, I So I got booked in that kind of late, and I don't, I don't know if I brought this up on the podcast, and I guess Ben Bailey wasn't completely aware of it either, but uh, he was a replacement for Bob Saget in Oklahoma City. <clears throat> and um, I know I talked about Bob Saget on here. I, don't, I didn't talk about Louis Anderson, who uh, Louis Anderson was Louis Anderson also passed away of another one of these guys uh, concealing their cancer diagnosis. I would never shut the fuck up about it if I, if I had cancer. Um, maybe that's not true. I, uh, I've met Louis Anderson once. Did I talk about this? I don't know. Met him once. Nice guy. Very funny. His role on uh, the show Baskets. Maybe the hardest my wife and I have ever laughed together is watching Louis Anderson on the show Baskets. He was incredible. Um, So Oklahoma City was great. I have a joke that I put up on YouTube this morning as, uh, as I record this. It's about when I... Um, my first experience, which is not my first time in Oklahoma City... But it was my first experience with the tornado warning siren. Maybe they do it like first Saturdays of every month. But the point is, my point overall, and I do stand by this, is they should fucking tell people when they check into the hotel that, hey, tomorrow we're going to play a fucking air raid siren. Don't be alarmed. It's just a test. Or when they play the siren, they could say this is just a test. Like, a, like a, what's that, EAS, emergency broadcast whatever that is this is a test of the emergency broadcast system you have to play that every uh so often on a uh on a radio station um i didn't get to experience so i got to experience a couple things about oklahoma city one is uh they don't deal with snow well they had snow, so our shows were Thursday for, or were a Friday, Saturday, two shows each night, and it snowed on Thursday a lot. I think between four and eight inches was the forecast. I don't know what it ended up actually being. And those shows were very light on Friday because people were worried about driving in the snow and the uh, and the. Uh, oh my God! I'm recording this at uh, six in the morning because I didn't get to it last night. And I'm working on, <laughs> I'm trying to shore up some of the audio stuff here to go with the video. And, uh, I didn't, I get to the point at a night where I'm working on that, where I'm like, I'm too tired to make a good podcast. And I'm now realizing at six in the morning, I might be too tired to make a good podcast, but we are going to release it. 
this is what you're getting, everybody. <laughs> so I've skipped a couple. I've uh, Oklahoma City was fun. I went to the uh, Oklahoma City bombing museum. Um, I went in there planning on. I had already written like a couple of jokes uh, about it, and then I went in there planning on just like kind of let's let's add a couple tags to these jokes. And uh, I did not gain tags. I lost tags, if anything. It was a pretty uh, pretty horrific. Let me be the first one to say that the Oklahoma City bombing was pretty horrific. I guess I didn't realize the extent, or maybe it was the fact that I'm... The museum is... You're, you're sitting in a building that's across the street from... You're not sitting. You're walking around a building that is across the street from... Um, where the bombing took place. There are still, <clears throat> because they, the federal building that was bombed, they had to implode because it wasn't structurally safe anymore. I mean, if you, it blew one third of the structure away. And, uh, so I guess I, like, I, un- I, knew, I knew it was bad. <laughs> I know this sounds bad. I knew it was bad. I guess I just didn't realize like the extent of um of how bad. I know that sounds stupid, but it is true. It's like honest and I'm not proud of it, but it is honest. Like I didn't realize how bad. And maybe that that's part of the reason why you have better than nine eleven memorial and you see like the the two uh nine eleven memorial, it's two fountains, like two kind of inverted fountains, and you see like the these, you know, there used to be hundred story buildings here. And now there's these two holes <clears throat> and it's kind of a profound experience. And I think that's true of this also, which is you see, um, I think the, the most kind, the kind of most impressive thing or the thing that, cause you walk in and they show you footage and then you see like, you know, they do a pretty good job of like this exhibit is, to the minute this is going on at this minute this is going on at this minute and then the one that i think gets you is they have this room that you have to wait for it to open it opens like whatever every five minutes or something like that and it's supposed to represent the hearing room of this like courthouse across the street from the uh from the federal building and it might actually be like in this building that we were in. I, I'm not, I have a little bit too much ADHD to really like take it. There was a point at the end where there's a dude named, uh, I think Terry Nichols. And I was like, who the fuck is that guy? And then I was like, Oh, he was the co-conspirator that I've mentioned him the entire time. I just never had it enough of a memory to go. That's that name again. That's that name again. That's that name again. You know, uh, I remember seeing it at the beginning and the end and that's it. Um, so there's this room where you, the, it's like animatronic also, which is kind of sounds, makes it sound corny, but it like opens a door. There's a, you know, some, but one of the things that they have is because there was this hearing going on, there was this audio recording of the hearing that's across the street from this, uh, where the bombing occurred. And it's, you get to hear like the real people in real time. And it's, I mean, it's just, it's, as you can imagine, it's very moving. They put you in this setting where you're, uh, where you're in like a, you're supposed, it's supposed to feel like a hearing room. The recorder that took this recording, or at least a model similar and a microphone similar is sitting on the table. There's, there's a table that's meant to look like this hearing table. And then, there's just, you just hear like chaos. We know because we've seen the footage from helicopters, you know, hundreds of feet away after this has happened, but these people are inside, this has happened and they're in a courtroom or a, you know, whatever, a courtroom with no windows and it's just happened. They don't have any of the details that we have now. It's, it was, it would have been very scary. And then the other thing uh, that I've, discovered that I wasn't aware of. And this is probably, 
this might be ignorance because I suspect this would be pretty heavily covered is <clears throat> all the kids were, who are at daycare. And of course, as a parent, it makes you think about dropping your kids off at daycare and how what unimaginable, unimaginable tragedy it would be to have them to not be able to bring them home. Um, so I, I, uh, I almost didn't tell the bombing joke at all. And then I did the joke about on the first show Saturday. So I did that. I went there on Saturday because I came in, um, Friday afternoon. I didn't have time to, I had time to get to the hotel, uh, get unpacked, get a new shirt on and then hit the, hit the dusty trail, hit the snowy, uh, trail that I probably should have gone a different direction to the club because I walked through <laughs> at a point I was walking through like eight inches of snow with a suitcase, uh, with new balance sneakers on because, uh, the sidewalk ended. So I, I realize now that I've, and this is the, the last time I went there, I did this the last night also, but I realized that there's a sidewalk the other direction. Anyway, um, so it was very fun. We get Ben Bailey's great, by the way. He's, uh, he's got a bunch of like old, I love like the tough crowd era of New York comedy. And he was a comic in New York, a prominent comic in New York in the tough crowd era of New York comedy. So he had some amazing stories and a very funny guy. And, uh, Met a, I met a, the opener or the MC was not a traditional MC. He's a very good comic and we got double booked. His name is Jeffrey Baldinger and uh, he's very funny also. Go check him out, I think, on Instagram at Jeff Baldinger. Um, it was fun. I, uh, I drank like I, travel wasn't incredibly bad. I, uh, I, funny enough, I ran into my friend Josh Firestein at the airport on the way out and that was, that was cool. On the way back, I took, uh, I had two options. There is a direct flight from uh, Oklahoma City to Seattle, but it doesn't get to Seattle until like 8.30 p.m. or something like that. So I opted to take a 6.20 a.m. flight from Oklahoma City. And it's a, there's a five-hour layover at the Denver airport, but I got home six hours earlier than I would have. Um, it actually cost me a little bit more. There was no cost savings except for whatever you count check bags as but uh the Denver airport was I think a pretty decent airport to sleep at I slept for probably 45 minutes there I slept almost the entire flight to Denver which is like an hour and a half flight from Oklahoma City and then it's like a I think maybe a three-hour flight from Denver to Seattle and I slept almost that whole flight I've grown this superpower that i I fall asleep before takeoff. I wake up every time I wake up during takeoff. And can I tell you, if you're already asleep, takeoff is like relaxing. It's loud, loud in a way that's like white noise, not loud in a way that's, uh, that's stops you from sleeping. Also, you almost start reclining. You're like leaning back. I'm doing this in my chair, but you're like leaning back in your chair. And, uh, it's like the closest you're going to come to laying in a bed. It's very, it's actually pretty soothing if you're already asleep and if you don't have anxiety around flying, which I somehow have managed to get rid of my anxiety around flying. I used to have a lot of anxiety around flying. I'd be white knuckling it the whole time during the takeoff. Now I'm asleep. Now I'm one of those guys that I used to be jealous of, except for I think the reason that I have it is because I'm fucking exhausted because I'm always trying to. I heard uh, Joey Diaz say this one time. I'm always trying to get on uh, the first thing smoking out of the, out of the uh, city. Um, but there's a couple topics to talk about. And now that I've managed to put them deep enough into this that anyone who doesn't like me has probably turned this off. Uh, first off, I didn't get to, I, did, I don't think I talked about this on the podcast. No, did I? God damn it. I fucking, I, there's a podcast that I left unreleased that, because I made a huge mistake talking about David Ortiz and Kurt Schilling and all the guys that got dropped off the Hall of Fame ballot for Major League Baseball this year. And uh, 
Anyways, David Ortiz got in. I think all the steroid users that are good enough should get in. Because David Ortiz got in on his first ballot. He tested positive for steroids. We know that about him. Um, so that's one. Uh, Joe Rogan has been in trouble twice. He, I think, I tried to record a thing in the hotel also after the Late Show. And I was like, so I was, I made a commitment that I wasn't going to go to sleep. Because the show gets over at like midnight. And the, uh, so show gets over at midnight and my flight's at 620. We ended up, I was like, I could have a lot of fun. It's probably, I'm probably not going to get much sleep anyway. I run a, a non-zero risk of sleeping through my alarm and missing my flight. So what I'm going to do is commit to not sleeping, have a good time, have a couple drinks, try to sleep on the plane. If I've not slept already, not had any caffeine and had a couple drinks, I'll probably be pretty tired. And so I drank, uh, I found out I'm a white claw with a whiskey neat guy. Now <laughs> Oklahoma doesn't have the greatest beer in the world. They do have a couple good beers though. And, uh, yeah, I drank a lot of, a lot of whiskey neat, which is nice. And it makes you one of the obvious benefits of liquor is that it, puts less liquid in your body so you uh you pee less often so anyways worked out perfectly executed perfectly um but i tried to record a podcast in the hotel room about this stuff to, re- to release today and it was dog shit i was it was so bad so joe rogan got in got a uh, neil young switched all of his or took all of his music down from spotify because Joe Rogan's there and he doesn't want to be associated with Joe Rogan in any way because of the COVID misinformation that some of his guests and he have spread according to Neil Young. Uh, first off, this is, this is like, I think a opportunity for people who are like free speech. Uh, what do you call it? What is, what's that term? Uh, true believers free speech, true believers to like really test their principles. Because to me, Neil Young is doing nothing wrong. He has, if he has this authority, if he has this kind of ownership over his music, which maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, but if he does, it's his right to express himself this way. If he, and, and he might feel like it's his duty to express himself this way. So, I don't have a problem with Neil Young pulling his music. I don't, I'm not uh, connected emotionally to Neil Young's music at all. So uh, it doesn't affect me in any way, but there's no, my, my, my litmus test for is someone full of shit or not is, are they sacrificing in a way that's meaningful? And he is Neil Young is he's uh, for sure losing money from this. Of course, Neil Young is likely very wealthy. He's probably going to be fine. This probably won't actually affect his way of life. But it is a sacrifice. And there's, of course, there's like a guy that's 900 years old that did music. There are like examples of Neil Young saying things that are quote unquote problematic. I don't give a shit about that either. Like that's uh, that's irrelevant to... If, if your feeling is that people can err and change, like I think we want Joe Rogan to do when he fucks up, and by the way, like I think he does a very good job of, then let Neil Young have the same fucking grace. Uh, yeah, he said some, some what we would call now homophobic shit, what we would call back then, like uh, pretty standard opinion by a lot of people in whatever, the 80s? In the eighties, come on, there was a lot. I mean, he, he, this is, I think a good opportunity to examine how like the most liberal activist 80 year old is, has some fucking bad tape from the eighties still 40 years ago or something like that. He said, basically like, I don't want to have a gay guy bagging my groceries. I don't want him touching my potatoes (laughs) because uh, Dr. Fauci had said some, uh, had 
contributed to some homophobia and some some hysteria around HIV. <laughs> He's doing an Eddie Murphy bit in 1980. That's I can't believe Eddie Murphy stole his first uh first bit from whatever it was. I think both delirious and raw. <laughs> he stole from Neil Young. Uh So the other the other uh the one hypocrisy I think is Neil Young says he's like, "Well, don't listen to me on Spotify. Find my music on Amazon Music." And it's like, "Okay, dude, like you've you've uh there, there's probably no conflict-free streaming service, but you look pretty stupid when you go from Spotify to the one that people think I don't know what the truth is, by the way. And I order a lot of shit from Amazon, so I'm not. It, I'm I'm not hypocritical because I'm telling you in advance that I order a lot of stuff from Amazon. But Neil Young is trying to be some sort of uh, righteous person, and when you when you put yourself into that position to be the righteous person in this scenario naturally there's going to be scrutiny over the the decisions you make that that follow that so <laughs> anyway i support neil young i saw someone uh oh so that then the other thing that happened is there's a pretty obvious thing going on in this country which is that the mainstream media has been lapped multiple times over by joe rogan uh joe rogan has i mean orders of magnitude more listeners than cnn has viewers than fox news has viewers fox news somehow finds itself aligned politically with uh with joe rogan though i don't think that he aligns politically with them and i've heard like in a recent episode uh so oh here's the so they they tried to uh attack him with this misinformation stuff they're pressuring spotify neil young is in fact, uh, uh, what's her name? Jen Psaki, the press secretary, uh, has made some comments on it. The, um, and Spotify has has folded, especially as this next thing came up. Is uh, Somebody started circulating this video that's a compilation of all the times that Joe Rogan has said the N-word on his podcast. And it's probably not all the times, by the way. Also, I will say this, it's uh it's newly a famous video, but that video has been around. I've seen it. Joe Rogan has this kind of like he's got the same kind of opinion on the N-word as Whoopi Goldberg had has on the Holocaust. Which is uh Whoopi Goldberg, by the way, got suspended from ABC because, or in The View, because she said uh, that the Holocaust wasn't about race. It was about man's inhumanity towards men. And she's been, I think, probably influenced by our like kind of modern academic elite definition of racism that tries to kind of like really really narrow the definition it like broadens the definition of what equates to racism but narrows the scope of who can commit it against who and it's this kind of like flattening of we do a thing in america by the way that's like we flatten all the races into kind of broad categories which i was doing i was talking to a a co-worker of mine um now over like probably two years ago and he, uh, oh, maybe not, but anyway, we were talking about uh, diversity and how the United States has, like, kind of unprecedented in the world diversity. There's 13% of this country is black. Uh, still, like, 66% or something like that are, are white. Um, we have a growing and large Hispanic population, uh, a large Asian population. Um, but we've, because of America's past bad deeds and evils, we've flattened 
black or African-American, but even just black in this country because there are people who are um, African-American and then there are people who are African Im- immigrants. We've flattened that all into one category. Um, we've flattened white into one category. We've flattened uh, Asian into a category. We've given Hispanic two categories, basically, which is Hispanic, white, and non-white. <clears throat> but we're, we're in this country, we're obsessed, understandably, with the like white-black paradigm of race. And uh, we've we've like i don't know it's uh so this opinion that whoopi goldberg said that the holocaust wasn't about race and the arguments are that um her argument is that it's white on white now of course she is silly and misguided but also i think that the thing that bothers me about this period is i don't think that actually whoopi goldberg her opinion is First off, I don't think that opinion is uh, a mainstream opinion. I do think it kind of represents the like the worst version of this like intersectional feminist opinion that is becoming is it becoming more popular? I don't know, but that I've heard some more uh in recent years. And also it it by by flattening Jewish people into white which they're not all white, by the way. Uh, but and and I guess here's another thing: is Nick Cannon has said horrific things, actually anti-Semitic things, and I don't think his face the same. Well, I guess he did lose. Uh, he did get uh, kicked off of Wildin' Out, so maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he has seen some punishment. But what I, Whoopi Goldberg had like this kind of like uh, backwards logic epiphany about the holocaust and then didn't think it through very well brought it to air it's a fuck up no doubt um nick cannon has said like truly hateful shit and hopefully has actually like corrected his viewpoint but i don't i don't know i don't know if that's true and uh I, I guess, like, Whoopi Goldberg has, like, this kind of dumb college kid definition of race and racism that make it her connect dots, and we have to make this distinction between the Holocaust. we got to, like, make the Holocaust not seem so bad because it goes against, and the Holocaust was very bad. Uh, again, let me be the first one to tell you, the Holocaust was very bad. I don't think it's very important, the, the distinction, the race versus religion distinction the race as being white versus hebrew versus nationality whatever uh i don't think any of that shit is important in this and i i think we're just like in america we have this very american view of race we have this very american view of diversity and that extends by the way to our marxist brothers and sisters who are trying to fuck up the definition of uh of racism uh they're still America centric. They don't even realize they. <laughs> and so uh, she said a dumb thing. I've said dumb things that I'm not going to repeat here. I've held opinions until I was given uh, more information or, or held opinions out of ignorance. And then I try to much like much like uh, Whoopi Goldberg did and much like Joe Rogan, I think, actually does a pretty good job of. When I am presented with new information that contradicts my opinion, I will shift my opinion. I try. I try. Um, I found out about Black Wall Street. The reason I know about Black Wall Street is because I used to hold this insane opinion that was... Uh... <laughs> I don't even think I'm going to say it. Uh, but I've, I was in Atlanta visiting my friend Mario who lives in, uh, Atlanta and I was hanging out with like all black dudes and we had like great conversations. I didn't know that black dudes had so many questions about white guys. We had a lot of, it was a lot of like, like a personal discovery for a lot of us. It was very fun. And I got to ask like the kind of like dumb, ignorant white dude things 
that if you're a woke 27 year old who graduated from a liberal liberal arts school, you, uh, you know, probably read seven texts that tell you why these things are problematic questions to even have. Uh, but I, I had some questions and so we talked about it and it was like not angry and I appreciated it. And I was at, at the time a 22 year old working in a fucking box factory. <laughs> I, I wasn't a person taking sociology classes or, uh, whatever. So Joe Rogan said the N word a bunch. Uh, I knew about that. I've known about that. I don't, I don't think that he's, I mean, I, it's pretty obvious. He's never said it hatefully. I recognize that's not the standard that everybody, um, wants out of white people when it comes to that word. I don't, I think I'll, I, I mean, again, these are stupid, uh, college dude takes. I understand this, but like, I do think there's a difference between using the word and saying the word, using the word to hurt people and saying the word. But I also recognize like, it's not my place to be offended or not. So I saw these tweets that were like, uh, people say, I stand with Joe Rogan. And I saw this kind of like good play on words, but the the lady goes, uh, you stand with Joe Rogan. I kneel with Colin Kaepernick. It's not the same thing. And I like to the detriment of friendships of mine and friendships of people who are politically similar to me defended Colin Kaepernick the same way I would defend Neil Young, uh, the same way I would defend Whoopi Goldberg for having an ignorant opinion and being allowed to change. Uh, I would defend Joe Rogan, which is like, he obviously wasn't saying something hateful. He's he's apologized. He's changed his behavior around that word. <clears throat> the best apology is changed behavior, I think, is a saying. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think that it's you know it's why like it's scary to fucking have an opinion because. You never know. I mean, Neil Young, this like 950-year-old supposedly woke guy, said some fucking horrific shit in the 1980s. Nobody was recording me in the 1980s or the 1990s or the early 2000s, but had I been given a a quote-unquote platform, I would have said some horrific shit by today's standards. I was also like, you know... We all used the homophobic slur in high school, people my age. Once again, by the way, I realized I didn't turn the studio light on, but that's okay. I don't even know if this will come out on video. Uh, we all used the big one, the big homophobic slur. I'm not proud of it now, but it's like I can I can forgive myself some because I was alive at the time and know that we were all using it the same. Uh Meaning we used it as like a uh, a stand-in for like you'd call your friends that <laughs> if that doesn't if that doesn't take away the like sting a little bit I don't understand that but uh, I do remember hearing it used unironically one time which is the the f word the homophobic f slur. Uh, which I do actually think, like, when you're speaking about this stuff, it is powerful to use the actual word. I do think it kind of sugarcoats and dilutes the power. Uh, but I'm not going to do it because, uh, especially if this is going on video, I don't want video of me saying that word out there. I thought about that as I was setting up the video today. As I, I was never going to use the word today, but I do think – I actually do think that uh, – it is powerful and makes the, the, um, what do you call that? The, the, the testimony against those words more powerful when you actually use the word, but, um, the homophobic F slur, uh, 
we I've heard it used unironically because uh, I worked at a fast food restaurant when I was 17. <clears throat> and a friend of mine worked at a fast food restaurant uh, in the same, like, strip mall area. And I'm sorry to NPR. I got too much mouth noise because it's the morning and I'm drinking coffee black. I'm trying to... Not because it's Black History Month. Uh, I'm trying to do like intermittent fasting and some lower carb shit. And so I'm having coffee black with no cream because whatever calories and fasting, blah, 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 blah. Um, and because I had a scary moment uh, flying this week, which is I, the first flight, I can now confirm that it, uh, this, there was something wrong with the seatbelt. But, um, it was like very, very close to needing a seatbelt extender. That specific seatbelt. Now, I've flown to Oklahoma. <laughs> I've flown recently on these same type of planes. I flew back on the same type of plane. Uh, I had quite a bit more room in the in the future planes, but I was like, "Fuck!" If I'm really this close to having a seatbelt extender, I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm just going to uh, get home and start eating broccoli. So I've made the, I've stuck by that pledge, even though I was able to fit into the seatbelts much, uh, much better on the way home. So I'm working at this fast food restaurant with my friend, or not with my friend, but he comes to the fast food restaurant. We're having lunch together, like, you know, pretending to be adults catching up. I think we're like, I don't even think it was post high school. I think it was like maybe on a weekend or something like that. And, uh. At this fast food restaurant, I worked with a gay guy, and we all knew he was gay. No, there was no, like, I mean, there was no question about it at this place. He talked about uh, whatever. I, he's the uh, first person that, well, is this too gross? He's the, I. he told me about, uh, I thought that, again, it's like you, you have these, like, stupid uh, questions, and I, or, like, these stupid opinions, and I he told me that like all gay dudes, not all gay dudes do it in the butt, <laughs> which is like, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I assumed that was the, and apparently that's a ca the case. I didn't know even like what top and bottom meant in that context. And so, uh, I had a, you know, a good opportunity to like, and by the way, I'm a person who's like in high school, I was getting made fun of and being argued with because I was in favor of gay marriage. That's how, that's how long ago I went to high school in like the early two thousands. That was a that was not a majority opinion back then that gay people should be allowed to be married. It was my opinion. I grew up. We went to uh, we had family friends who were gay. It wasn't like a like a first off. It wasn't a situation where I was so comfortable that I could ask those two ladies about um, about <laughs> the way they were fucking. But uh, also. Um, yeah, I guess like, I just never grew up with like the, I feel lucky because I don't think it's because I'm, my parents were somehow righteous or I was somehow righteous. I think I'm lucky to have grown up in a place where we were more accepting and we had the opportunity to be exposed to many different kinds of people. And one of the types of people that I was exposed to was gay people very, at a very young age. So I've never had like a thing, uh, like a weirdness about that. I did, however, use that word because again, we weren't using it hatefully. There's a Louis CK bit that, that explains it well. That's probably, uh, it's probably widely hated now for a variety of reasons. Obviously we did use that word. Um, and I, I have a joke where I talk about how when I was in Atlanta, these friends of mine um, told me that it was okay if I did it. I didn't do it, by the way, uh, but they was they said it was okay if I used the N word. Like they gave me, they called it the what uh, the pass. The <laughs> I call it a hood pass in my joke, which is a thing that they said, but they also called it the other pass, another kind of pass. Um, 
And uh, so I don't know. I guess I, the other thing that that is uh, first off, I don't even think Joe Rogan's podcast is that great. I listen to it on occasion when he has a guest on that's a comedian that I respect. Uh, I keep having to explain this because I keep having. I feel like this. You're either like a a pro Joe Rogan guy, or you're. I I I want to make it clear. I don't give a shit about Joe Rogan in particular. I think that Whoopi Goldberg should be allowed to talk. I think that uh, it doesn't help us to stop Whoopi Goldberg from having her opinion evolve publicly. It doesn't help us to stop Joe Rogan from having his opinion evolve publicly. On recent episodes, I've heard him say that Barack Obama is the best president of his lifetime. This idea that that dude is like super right wing, I think is complete trash. Uh, or even that he's like anti-vaccine is complete trash. He's a skeptic who I think is interested in threading the needle, interested in finding what the actual, uh, like line should be. I have questions. I have a two-year-old daughter that had a COVID, a confirmed COVID case. She's at almost no risk at her age. I'm like a little bit leery of her getting the vaccine. I'm three times vaccinated. I got it. Had no, no short-term side effects. Um, I, and also by the way, it's probably prevented me from getting Omicron because I have not, I've somehow avoided getting Omicron and nonetheless, I'm a little, I would be a little bit worried about getting, getting my two-year-old daughter vaccinated. Not really because I think that the chances of, of her having a major issue are high, but more that there's almost no benefit for someone who has a recent COVID infection and, uh, is in an age range that's almost complete. She was like completely unaffected, like gained energy from having COVID and not, and again, it's not to say that it's, it's not to minimize the effects of it. Like I know it's, it's way different for everybody. I talked to some people this weekend who had it in uh January in uh, around new year's and they were like, yeah, it put me on my ass. I was in bed for five days. My wife had it. That was like, she was in bed for a couple of days. Never really had any strong symptoms, just fatigue, no coughing, no fluid buildup, none of the shit. Like I'm, it, it's very bad for some people. That's why I got three times vaccinated. That's why I was very cautious before the vaccine. But you can't have it like, he, I don't think that Joe Rogan is anti-vaccine. I think he's interested in finding at what point the do the benefits reduce so much that the potential cost actually outweighs them. And that point isn't at zero. And also the only, if, if, if we're at a point where we're doing this insane thing with our kids, where we know that there is an intersection point of cost and benefit, and there's even a slight, uh, cost over benefit ratio, I think that this like this is where people get fucked up on the the um forced compliance thing. And I also think I guess that the people who are like representing that side of the opinion do a pretty bad job of calibrating and quantifying their opinion and citing responsible sources. So it's not just Joe Rogan anyways. Uh, but then I also don't think like, I don't think Joe Rogan's a racist. I also think that is there's this weird thing in 2022 where t saying that any white person isn't a racist is like grounds for <laughs> cancellation or suspension or whatever. Uh, Joe Rogan said in his, um, in his like apology thing, Anytime a white person is saying they are racist, that's because they fucked up. And I think that's a really good point. Uh, ultimately, what I was getting at is I worked in box factories. I've 
I grew up, my uncle is black, lived with us for several summers. Um, my, one of my groomsmen, <laughs> this is like a white person going through the, their like black Rolodex. Uh, but my point is I worked in manual labor, which is an actually diverse environment. I'm trying to actually write, um, a screenplay like to submit for stuff about this because I've stood around a foosball table and had a Filipino guy who's on a team with an Indian guy and I have an African guy on my team and I'm the one white guy at the table and we're all saying the most wild, funny shit at this table as we win and lose at, uh, at foosball. And that's, like, to me, if people want a real lesson in what, like, racial harmony looks like, not to say that we're, like, there's, like, in a manual labor situation, there can't be racists or that there's no, never been a race issue, but the, the like, real experiment of people of similar socioeconomic class and very different races like getting along without the actual hovering burden of academic white supremacy, ac the academic definition of white supremacy. Go work on a fucking construction site. Go, first off, you'll be doing much more for society than these fucking blogging, these blogs do. But also... Yeah, go work in a factory. Go work in like a fucking working class job and you will find actual diversity. You will find where when you remove a class divide, how how actually well people get along and how the jokes that you think are incredibly offensive are being said by fucking everybody. By everybody. And also how sensitive people can be in a good way. And I don't mean sensitive, like easily offended. But what I mean is when I worked at a box factory, um, we had, our, I met my first, uh, trans woman there. She, I met her as Mark worked with Mark for like four years. And then it was close to the time that I left this company, but around the time, when I left this game, this is like 2010 or something like that. Mark, uh, began identifying as a woman and became Gloria. And, you know, not to say that the, that Gloria didn't get some jokes for sure. Gloria got the same amount of jokes as Mark got. Gloria got the same amount of jokes as, uh, as Cesar got. And, uh, we called him Caesar by the way, but I'm trying to be trying to be uh trying to be sensitive to everybody's culture you know i we had an, an one indian guy that they would order they would order food for like a banquet they'd order pizza and yogi his name was yogi i actually think his name was yogi because nobody could pronounce his name i don't think his actual name was yogi but um he was he went by yogi and every time they'd order like, you know, six pizzas and then one vegetarian pizza for Yogi because Yogi was vegetarian because he, I don't know, he was Hindu. I don't know if Hindus are vegetarian, but it was, for him, it was a religious thing. So Yogi got his own goddamn pizza. Everyone else got like two pieces and Yogi got his own goddamn pizza. We give him shit for it every time. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, I don't know. I think, uh. I think that the truth is, and this is the what I think that the the quote unquote mainstream media doesn't like is that they're completely disconnected from the working class. Um, they're they Fox News is too, by the way. I think maybe more working class people identify with Fox News, but I don't think I don't think they're pushing an agenda that's any more friendly to the working class. And I think that Joe Rogan is identifiable the working class identifies with them and he identifies with or working class identifies with him and he identifies with them. 
He talks in a way, I mean, the same way that Trump appealed to people, the same way that Bernie Sanders appeals to people is, uh, and I even think like Andrew Yang and uh, um, somebody else, I'm sure, they talk like human beings and not politicians. They talk like human beings and not uh, bought and paid for journalists, you know? And that's, so Joe Rogan isn't Ira Glass. I'm not defending him to say he's, but I think what he's doing is like, yeah. I Also, by the way, I, I think everyone's within their right to not listen. I think everyone's within their right to boycott and protest the Spotify employees. Neil Young said that Spotify employees should quit their jobs before that place sucks the soul out of them because this incredibly rich musician is against a podcaster. People at Spotify, the average salary at Spotify is 120 grand. There are, I mean, to be that far out of touch to, to try to make this big rallying cry of, of the average working American to, to try to relate this back to the average working American. Uh, when these people are probably pretty close to this, like, like working for Spotify for a lot of people is probably something pretty close to a dream job, whether you're a programmer or a music person or whatever, pretty close to a dream job. And you're also compensated. Great. And he's telling these people to quit, uh, somewhat um, superficially now. We've almost reached seven in the morning, so I think we've reached the logical end of this. If I could have stuck the landing on that, that would have been better. Um, anyways, do what you want. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> cancel your Spotify subscription. Don't cancel it. It makes absolutely no difference to me. Uh, but you can find this podcast on Spotify and you'll continue to be able to find it. And if they cancel Joe Rogan, I'll continue to put it on Spotify. As long as people are listening on Spotify, I will keep putting it on Spotify. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Uh, hopefully I'll talk to you again later this week, if not next week. And uh, otherwise, I don't know, I'd fuck my uh, outro up. So nobody likes Casey McClain, everybody. Have a good day.